0: there's a couple of paths that i see here number 1 you have to learn the technical like you need to you need to be you need to be able to understand your camera the technical the settings exposure you need to get that stuff like flawlessly it needs to be second nature next add the pressure to it right so now now do that in the pressure cooker <laughs> that is that is like the next step. Now you're into the milestone. You're into this next stage of your of your uh, growth as an artist, where now you need to stop looking at things as technical problems and start looking at things that have meaning. How do you look for a moment? How do you find nuance? How do you piece together details? How do you compose in a way that has the impact? That's where you become a good wedding photographer.
1: Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast brought to you by Cloudspot. Today we have an interview from the Beginner Photography Podcast Vault. You know, after years of interviewing world-class photographers, we have built up an incredibly rich library of photography tips and tricks that guests share to help you to get better at capturing amazing images. Now, with new listeners finding the show every day, these Rewind interviews allow new listeners to discover those gold nuggets of information of the past and also allow longtime listeners to revisit and hear an interview with fresh ears and more hands-on experience to draw from. In today's BPP Rewind, we are chatting with wedding photographer and founder of Sprout Studios, Brian Caparicci. Brian is the real deal. He is a master photographer, and today we chat about what to focus on when first getting started in photography. Now, in this interview, you will learn how to avoid overwhelm when learning photography, how to get your first bookings, and and this blew my mind to think about, the paradox of the growing heap and how it will help you to get better bookings. Yeah, stay tuned for that one. Now, side note. Uh, in the first few minutes of this interview, we talk about a social app called uh, Clubhouse. Today, it is a shell of its former glory, which is a shame because it was wonderful. Uh, but if you get excited uh, and you go download it, and there's you know nothing going on, um, that's why. It had a moment. It's gone, uh, but it was fun. There's still kind of people, but anyway. With that, let's go ahead and get on into today's rewind interview with Brian Caparicci. A few weeks ago, uh, I saw one of your posts on Facebook pop up saying, you know, hey, who's, who's on Clubhouse? This new social media app, right? And uh, you were doing a talk on wedding photography, and it was like this hangout for wedding photographers. So right away, I thought, I, I got to get in on this. I got to uh, join this new social media platform, and I have to learn, of course, from the master Brian Cabarici here. <laughs> and this whole thing while I was there just like blew my mind. It was it was very immersive and it was very entertaining so for those who i guess don't know yet who haven't heard of it can you kind of fill them in on what is clubhouse and why it's so different because you've totally become an evangelist for this new uh uh app and i would love to hear your thoughts on this
0: for sure yeah i it's it's a ton of fun i mean i think the timing of clubhouse and, and we can back up and i can talk about what specifically it is but like let's just acknowledge for a moment the timing of it was perfect. I mean, with where we are right now, you know, or where we've come in 2020, where we are in 2021, uh, we as humans are seeking connection. Like we're seeking uh, the ability to collaborate and talk and network and like be together. And, you know, we can't in our industry, we can't do it, you know, at WPPI workshops, conventions, like it's just, that doesn't exist. So what do we do? We all go to Facebook and we chat on Facebook, but it just, there's a certain something missing you know when you just do like this text-based communication so clubhouse is basically like being at a convention it's a virtual convention more or less right you have this like main hallway which is like the main you know news feed like we're used to on facebook where you just can kind of sort of scroll through the hallway and what you're scrolling through are a bunch of different rooms of all the people that you follow and they're basically in a room having conversations so imagine you're at WPPI you're walking down the hallway and you see a room and you're like oh that's cool Raymond's in that room and it says that they're talking about marketing so you kind of can like you can step into the room and you can just kind of like hang out in the audience and you can listen to these 10 people on stage who are talking about marketing and if you want to add something to the conversation, you raise your hand, you go up on stage, you can add, and then you go back to the audience. Or if you have a question, you raise your hand, ask the question, go back into the audience. And that's basically what Clubhouse is. It's an audio only social media uh, tool that just allows us to connect, to converse, to have conversations, to um, to teach, to learn, to network. Um, it's just, it's a ton of fun. And there's so many great conversations happening over there and so many great ways to connect with each other as photographers, with other, you know, wedding professionals or just to like hang out and learn things that you want to learn. If you want to go learn about Bitcoin or you want to go like, you know, last night uh, uh, Tesla was on there, you know what I mean? Like doing all these, it's just like you can really do do anything but it's just an opportunity to dive in and to, and to connect in an audio only format so it takes away that fear that so many people have of like you know zoom fatigue or being on video and all that you just kind of put your airpods on and you can listen and connect while you're doing something else
1: and that's that's exactly what i was doing i put in the airpods i went started walking on the treadmill and i was like this feels totally different than everything yeah. else that we've had before and even like with live You know, even if you join some sort of live conversation on Facebook, there's this element that you're still watching somebody who is live, Mm -hmm, and that's it. And even, like, if you leave a comment or whatever, you're still kind of behind this veil of a computer. But with Clubhouse, like, you can actually talk to these people. And I got to say, the other day, uh, there was a a chat room with uh, with Joe Greer, who is big into film photography on YouTube, and I thought to myself... I was like, whoa, like, here's Joe Greer. Like, imagine if I just, you know, walked into the store and there was Joe Greer, you know, and here yeah. he was talking about uh, film. And uh, it was just, it was, it's just, it's a really new platform, obviously, but it's a lot of yeah. fun. And I had a great time connecting with you and, and Devin, who was there as well. So yeah. so that was a great time. And I'm glad to get you back on the show today, obviously. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of longtime listeners who are going to remember that you... We're back on the show in uh it was episode 60 so this is like 2017 so it's been a long yeah. time wow. it's been a while it's been it's been a while but for those who uh maybe haven't been listening that long i'm sure that a few people have maybe just got a camera over the holidays for christmas can you reintroduce yourself to to them as far as who you are and how photography plays a role in your life
0: yeah for sure um first of all congratulations on i mean you know you, you with your podcast raymond it's like Running a podcast is is a lot of work, and I know that because we have a podcast. <laughs> you know that, yeah, I mean, You have to
1: episode four hundred and fifty. Yeah. Like this is bananas.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's cool and it's fun and it's great, but like you know uh, what what maybe a lot of listeners don't know is like getting past episode twenty is a huge milestone, and then past fifty is a huge milestone, and then past a hundred is a huge milestone like one percent of podcasts make it there so the fact that we we had a chance to talk back in 2017 on episode 60 and now we're still talking again today i don't know what episode number this is going to be but but my quick math says my quick math says it's (laughs) at least 200 so i mean congratulations to you on that um anyways yes so so about me so i've been a professional wedding and portrait photographer for 15 years um i'm here in niagara ontario canada and uh, I've been full time making a living supporting my family as a sole income provider for 15 years. Um, my wife and I we have three kids. She's a stay at home mom and, uh, and you know, the living that we have and the life we have is because of the money I made with my camera. And, um, I've always had a passion for the business side of photography, um, which I think makes me a bit of a weirdo in our space because I'm not like the starving (laughs) artist type. You know, I I actually do like the business side, the marketing, the selling, the pricing, so on and so forth. And so I've been teaching business to photographers for about 10 years. Uh, I've written a handful of books. Um, The one book that I wrote called Pricing for Profits actually used in colleges and universities as a textbook. Um, to teach, you know, up and coming photographers how to price themselves. So the business side is something I have a huge passion for. And I really love um, and I love to help photographers because most photographers get into it, photography, because they love photography, yes. <laughs> not necessarily because they're like, Oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, maybe I'll make money with my camera. <laughs> it's like, no, they think of it the other way, you know, they just stumble into it. So I like to be there to help them to give them guidance to give them uh, advice to give them you know strategies that have worked because I've been there and I've done it for 15 years um, and that all led me about six or seven years ago to start uh, and to be the founder of what's uh, now Sprout Studio so it's a software that helps photographers run their business so we give them the knowledge and the strategies and the insight on the education side but then we also have a tool that they can use to actually execute these things and run their business so that's That's me in sixty seconds, Raymond.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Man, yeah, you could go. You could go on uh, so much longer just because of the amount of accomplishments that you have, not only uh, from your photographic capabilities and the awards that you've won there, but uh, as you're saying, I think helping out photographers now it seems has kind of become like your mission. You know, in this Mm -hmm. past year, I've seen you take a huge step forward in the amount of content that you come out with and the, or the types of content that you come out with specifically geared towards helping those other photographers. And I know that there's a lot of other, uh, I don't know, systems out there for, for the business side of things. Uh, but yours is obviously focused on photographers and all the content that you come out with is as well. Uh, and it's great to see your experience, you know, kind of shine through in all of that. But before you got to this point, to where you are today, there there was a beginning, right? And this yes. since this is the beginner photography podcast, <laughs> I want to know more about that. So, what was it in the beginning that that what was it that first told you, you know what? I think photography is going to play a large a large role in my life here.
0: So, the funny thing, and I don't talk about this too much, but the funny thing about my uh, my beginning in photography was. Um, I'll back up to well, I guess it would have been like 2000 2005. I, uh, I was in school for computer science. I was going to university for computer science. And because I was like the computer science guy, of course, like you're the guy that everyone goes to for computer help and <laughs> questions and whatever, because you know everything, apparently. Um, so I actually got a summer job working for another photographer, I didn't know anything about photography, I had no interest. Um, I got a job working for this other photographer who did like gymnastics events. So we would go to different gymnastics events around Ontario and he would sort of deploy a crew of photographers to photograph the gymnasts on the floors and at the various sort of stations. And then they would all bring it back to me at this like booth that we had set up. And because, again, I was the computer guy. And these this is the early days of digital too, right? Two thousand five was a, was a very different day and age than it is now. So you we would have basically like single
1: core processors on. Computers. Oh, it was like it, it was, was insane. A time. Yeah. So
0: back <laughs> then, for reference, for anyone that you know we're used to Lightroom and all these things now, that didn't even exist. Like Lightroom wasn't around then. Um, I know so I sounds like we actually carved the pictures on pieces <laughs> of stone. Um, <laughs> so we used a, a software called uh, was it ACD? A C D C or A C D or O C D. It was some software like that. The logo was orange. I can still picture it. Um, anyways, they would all bring them back. I would offload them onto the onto the computers. I would do selections, and then I would get them ready for a slideshow that the parents could then come back and look at the photos. They would pick which ones they wanted and we would print them on site for them right then and there. So it was like this on-site event photography thing. Again, I was doing the computer side, not the photography side. Um, So my entrepreneurial brain got spinning because I've always been entrepreneurial in my thinking. Um, And him and I started this side company called Memories in Motion. And we did what we call, and we thought we were fancy back then, we called it digital memory preservation, which is like, so like, what a a mouthful. But again, (laughs) this is like early days of digital. So the fact that we could do these like fancy slideshows, or DVD, these advanced DVD menus with like buttons that you could click to play (laughs) different slideshows, it was like, it was all the rage back then, right? So we did that and um, did did pretty well doing that. And him and I just kind of went two different directions. And, uh, but I was loving what we were doing. He was always the photography side. I was always the tech side. And so when we split, I was like, well, I want to keep running this company. Um, But I don't know anything about photography. So so I basically took over the company. I had a company called Memories in Motion. And I walked into Henry's, a camera store here locally. And I said, hey, so I have a photography business. Um, I need to buy a camera because I don't (laughs) know what I'm
1: doing (laughs) right away.
0: (laughs) So that was like, that was basically, you know, the start. And then from there, obviously, I fell in love with photography through the discovery of it. But for me, I started it as an entrepreneur first because I saw the opportunity. I saw the excitement of running my own thing. Um, and photography just happened to be the space that I fell into and then over the next 15 years i've I've obviously fallen in love with photography and the creative side and the ability to make images and say something with my camera. but um, I started as a as an entrepreneur first and then found photography. so it's an interesting dynamic because again, like I said earlier, most photographers start in the opposite direction right of like yes. loving photography and then wanting to start a business. I was the opposite. Um, so that, those were kind of like the early days, and I think I attribute that to the success that I've been able to achieve in, in my own way um, as a photographer. Because you know, my first year of shooting weddings, I booked thirty-two weddings of shooting weddings, and it's like, and I, I believe and it's not because necessarily I was a better photographer than anyone. Even though I think I you know I did a, did a pretty good job as a photographer, it was my my marketing skills, my my selling skills, just the fact that I looked at what I did. As an entrepreneur, as a business person, that's what got me to where I was.
1: So you decided right from the beginning, once you bought that camera, you were like, you had decided to go into weddings at that point? Or were you still doing some sports? I did, did, I did
0: two seasons out? of sports. Um, I did that. And I think I remember one specific time where, so I would do like the, you know, like the team and individual picture where you'd have like a basketball under your arm and be like, cheese, yeah. and then do that like 5,000 times, like on a weekend, because I would do all the local I did all the local basketball, the local soccer, um, associations, we did tennis, we did baseball. Like I, I did everything. And then we ended up doing live events and things like that. Um, and it was good. It was fine. Like it was, I was enjoying it. It was able to help me learn photography and build the business and build the systems and build the team and do all those things. Again, I was like an 18 year old kid too. So here I was like, (laughs) Holy cow. Um, but I just I was never fulfilled I've never been a sports guy myself and I wasn't really fulfilled creatively doing that because it's assembly line photography there's nothing wrong with it but just for me I just didn't I didn't love it so I kind of quickly transitioned um away from that and into weddings after like a year or two type of thing and yeah that first year of shooting weddings I I booked 32 weddings
1: so let's talk about that progression for you as far as that learning curve because it I would say I I don't want to get these words mixed up As you said, when it comes to like assembly line type photos, once you kind of figure out your settings, it's just rinse and repeat all day long. Whereas a wedding, entirely different. You're constantly changing (laughs) settings. So was there a big learning curve for you there? Or by the time you had got into weddings, were you already pretty proficient with the camera to where you were able to get in there?
0: Yeah, I think it was like the way that I see things and analyze things and break things down and understand them. Uh, I mean, that's what's gotten me to where I am now with Sprout, but I even think back then there were signs of that where um, there was this, like, you know, mass production element to, like, to, to the sports photography, but I always looked at it differently. I always really looked at it as challenges. How can I do things differently? I didn't want to do the same kind of work that, like, you know, your Justins was doing or like, you know, those kinds of things. So I did always look at it a little bit more creatively than probably others may have at the time. Um, and in doing so, I did, I did have to learn and figure out lighting and understand settings. And then also because we were doing live events, you know, photographing a basketball tournament or a baseball tournament and all that, there was this training of being able to catch the right moment and understand settings and learn shutter speeds and how they interact with different things and aperture and what you want to get in focus. And so there was an element Um, And back then too, if you, I don't know if like thinking back, what camera would have I had back in the day? Canon something, I don't know, the Canon 30d or maybe even the Canon 20d. -hmm. It's like you couldn't shoot over ISO, you know, 800 without like having golf balls everywhere in your picture. Right. So (laughs) like, you know, you had to really understand the technical side. And because I was, I was very technical in my thinking. um, I did learn that stuff quickly. Now I second shot weddings those first two years, as I was doing the sports photography. So I Mm -hmm. learned a lot through that. I was basically working like, you know, three full-time jobs, right? Like running the photography business itself. Um, I was still a student at the time still. And then also every weekend I was second shooting with a local photographer. So I was shooting, you know, 20 weddings uh, every summer, learning as a second shooter, as an assistant, just figuring out how things go. So by the time I did actually break out and do my own weddings, I had probably 50 weddings under my belt that I had second shot for. So I, I learned through that.
1: Of course, experience. Yeah, that's yeah. that's got to be one of the best ways to learn. Um, yeah. I think, you know, anybody can attest to that. We can read books all day on technicals and settings and whatnot, but it's not until you actually get behind the camera... Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step and the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. You do these things that you realize, oh, either this works or this doesn't work. So when you had first went to those, you know, few weddings, as a second was there anything that really caught you off guard and you you struggled with as far as the photography goes um
0: i would say the biggest the biggest challenge about weddings and, and anyone that's photographed weddings um you know can can empathize with this um it's just like the fast the fast moving the fast pace of a wedding um you know that's that's not only photographically is it constantly changing right like you're you're in You're in a bride's house and you're in your bio window backlit and then all of a sudden you're frontlit and then all of a sudden you're this and then you turn around there's a flower girl that looks cute and you need to get that shot and then you go downstairs in the basement and it's pitch dark and then you got to go up here and do it's like, you're constantly changing so not only is there like continual technical challenges that you have to be able to think about but it happens like lightning fast, right? Like it's, and then the pace and then the stress at the wedding and things are getting heated, dad's yelling, and this is this, and the little girl's crying and like all these things that kind of, for me, that was the biggest thing. It's like I could, and I see this even now in photographers, newer photographers, you know, like understanding the technical is obviously that's the first, that's the first step, like getting over those things. But then from there, it's like, yeah, but now, figure out that technical in a pressure cooker right like Mm -hmm. figure those Mm -hmm. things out under that stress of it so for me that was the biggest um because i admittedly i kind of went in feeling really confident in myself as as a technical photographer thinking like oh i got this this is no problem like i i know the stuff off the back of my hand because i was technical Mm -hmm. but then adding the pressure to that um it changes the game so that was probably the biggest the biggest change for me
1: I have a I have a similar story. I, I went to film school, so I learned all the technicals of uh, of cinematography to learn to light for movies. And obviously, in a production, you're gonna have all the equipment that you need to be able to you know light to technically perfect settings, yeah. right? Yep. So when I tran- transitioned into wedding photography, I thought this is easy. Like I've been I know exactly what to do here. I, I know all the settings that I need to do if it's low light and all this stuff. And that first wedding, uh, I still hate to share the story, but. Uh, the entire first dance, I shot it at half a second just to make Love sure because yeah. I was like, I got to keep that ISO low. You know, you got to have, you know, nice, beautiful grain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they didn't use any of those photos. In fact, that couple used a photo of the first dance that another guest took on their cell oh, phone. Oh, no. Yeah. Of their yeah. first dance is their profile picture. And I, I knew at that moment, it was right then at that moment that I realized, oh, man, settings are nowhere near as important as so many other factors, you know, like, yeah. like moment, you know, so. In a yeah. time where new photographers are coming in right now, especially right after the holidays, lots of people get cameras uh, you know, for the holidays and whatnot, um, there's a lot of things that we can be focusing on. And it can be very overwhelming because quickly you realize, oh, this is, this is really more than just pressing a button. Yeah. So for those photographers who are worried, uh, what are some of the things that they should be focusing on right now at this stage to kind of avoid potential overwhelm?
0: I I would say, like, take it a step at a time. I think that's probably the biggest mistake that I see photographers make, especially in those early days. Um, Actually, interestingly enough, um, anecdotally, I was in a clubhouse room last night just kind of hanging out with, uh, you know, 60 or 70 other photographers. And there was a conversation that there was a newer photographer. She was, you know, I I looked at her Instagram. Her work was was beautiful on her Instagram. Um, She was still a student. And she was kind of going on about how she had just finished paying for like a styled shoot, um, to like to participate in this styled shoot. And like I was like, I kind of I raised my hand and just started asking questions and, and discussing with her because genuinely I don't quite understand it. I, I get that like it's a it's a thing. But like my my biggest challenge was like, so what are you trying to show off in doing something like this? Because you're in this perfectly. Styled, expensive setup with zero pressure or timelines or, or or limitations or anything. Like it doesn't really show off what you can do as a photographer. It just shows mm-hmm. that you know how to press the button and what settings to use, and that you know how to edit a picture. And and that kind of comes back to what we're talking about here. In in my opinion, um, it's really easy to kind of let our ego, and again, I was there. So I I'm speaking from experience. I'm not criticizing to let our egos get ahead of us in the sense of like, Oh yeah, I know this stuff. Like I'm going to just start. It's like, you need to walk before you run. You need to crawl before you walk. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to kind Absolutely. of take it bit by bit. And I think to try and get into like, you know, the, and even I, I hear these conversations now where photographers who are so early in their career are talking about, ideal client and that's not the kind of luxury wedding i want to have and this and that and it's just like guys like you get 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 a handful of seasons under your belt just like shooting weddings first like you need to understand because not only there's a couple of paths that i see here number one like we talked about you have to learn the technical like you need to you need to be you need to be able to understand your camera the technical the settings exposure you need to get that stuff like flawlessly off the back of your hand, with it. it needs to be second nature. That's the first part. As soon as you get over that, you're in a good place, right? Next, add the pressure to it, right? So now, now do that in the pressure cooker. <laughs> so that's the next thing. And then once you can get over that, so you can show up to a wedding and you can technically get perfection. That's that is that is like, the next step. Now you're into the milestone, you're into this next stage of your of your uh, growth as an artist, where now you need to stop looking at things as technical problems and start looking at things that have meaning. So how do you look, you talked about moment, how do you look for moment? How do you find nuance? How do you piece together details? How do you compose in a way that has the impact? Like, There's all these things and those are, those are so far away from the technical capabilities that we have as photographers, that's where you become a good wedding photographer. When you can look at things and go beyond the technical. So, that would be like the path that I would recommend a photographer going through. And that's why I'm not a fan of the styled shoot concept, because I don't think that it teaches any of those things. It just teaches that you know how to press the button and get the right settings. But, and yes, you need to know that stuff, but that shouldn't be what you're presenting as your ability as a photographer, because that's not reproducible on a wedding day. So, that would be kind of the path that I would recommend is like, you know, fig, number one, make sure that you get technically confident. Uh, number two, Make sure that you can perform in that technically confident way um, under the pressure of a wedding day. And then number three, forget about all that stuff. As soon as it becomes second nature and it becomes habitual, then you need to just trust your mind and your body and like your, your, your muscle memory to do those things. And then now you need to be focusing on the things that actually make an impact in the work that we do, which is nuance and moment and storytelling and, and cohesion and consistency and, um, all those kinds of things. And then once you figure that out, once you get beyond that, then it's all about, okay, great. So now you can tell a story, you can capture a moment, you can see these things, you can predict when like the, when the the laugh is going to be the best, you can predict when this moment's going to happen, you can react, you can see, then now you need to take the camera and everything away from it and make sure that you can integrate yourself on a wedding day in a way that is uh, relatable, that you can connect with people, that you can create an environment that elicits real emotion. You can make people feel at ease. You can make interactions to orchestrate moments sometimes, or you can make interactions where you actually are invisible in the moment. So moments can happen without your interest. So there's, that's like the next step of growth. And I'm not sure what would come next, but like, those are like the few (laughs) main steps that I would say. It's a, it's a journey, right? Like it's a journey. It's a, it's a, it's a stepping stepping ladder that you need to walk up and so many photographers try and jump to that last rung and it's like you got
1: you gotta you gotta do the work you gotta put the time in you gotta do the work hey raymond here and we will get back to today's show in just a moment have you seen that youtube channel unbox therapy it centers around the idea that we as consumers love the experience of opening up something new In fact, Apple spends more than any other electronics company on using premium packaging because they know that it will elevate your experience. So why are you still sending your images with Google Drive or Dropbox? You can create a beautiful delivery experience in your photography with CloudSpot. From easy-to-use uploads to grandma-proof downloads and everything in between, CloudSpot will give your clients a premium experience. You can get started for free by heading over to deliverphotos.com today. That's deliverphotos.com and sign up for CloudSpot today. Now let's get back to today's interview. So uh, I I, I want to say to the whole um, stylized shoot type deal right there, I'm 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 torn on this because in the same sense like. This is not something that I would do. I would never find myself especially paying for a stylized Mm. shoot. Um, I could see myself helping out other vendors doing some sort of stylized shoot, obviously with them. But we're talking about the sense of like it's a new photographer and they're looking to gain experience, build a portfolio by doing this. Mm -hmm. And two things that I hear most from new photographers is that, A, they don't have enough time to practice photography. And, B, they don't have anybody to practice with. So when it comes to these stylized shoots, like, I see where that comes from. I see the desire to go to these things, but you're right. They're missing, like, such this big step of – it's not just the technicals. It's being able to replicate this under pressure in in a real-world environment. So for those who, you know, are worried about time, for those who are worried about not having the people to photograph – if if doing, you know, stylized shoots isn't the way to go, uh is there anything else that you could recommend maybe to to build practice and uh possibly grow the portfolio as well?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think I think this all um this all sits in this foundation of slowing down. I think it and 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 again, like I believe me, I've been there so I understand, so I'm not criticizing but I'm more trying to encourage through experience course, this idea that like, you know, We all want to pick up the camera. We figure out this technical thing. And then we want to, again, we want to start running. But it's like success in this industry and growth and longevity and sustainability are not going to come overnight. Like, you know, every overnight success is an overnight success 10 years in the making. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's it's never an overnight success. Um, And so the pull to want those quick results is so... Um, like we can feel it. It's there. But try to pause that feeling and and slow yourself down and say it's okay that it takes time to build these things up. It's okay that you don't get this right away. It's okay that you can't pay $300, get a perfect portfolio, and then book these luxury brides the next day. Like that's not going to happen. That's not a sustainable way to build a business. So my advice would be to get in and, and almost follow the similar path to what I just talked about with myself where – get in and, and figure out the technical like you don't necessarily need to have a bride in front of your camera or a groom in front of your camera to figure out the technical I mean go out there and and just shoot shoot whatever you can around you shoot do self-portraits go out and photograph nature like do whatever you can just to like you need to be the, the camera needs to be an extension of of your eyes of your mind of your vision um, your hand almost needs to not even like it needs to be again like muscle memory so whatever you can do just to like put in the hours put in the time that's fine um beyond that now you if you want to start understanding the nuances of applying those skills and applying that muscle memory to people find people to photograph them like it, it, it that's that would be i don't think we need to have this like luxury boho bride with this beautiful barn wedding and blah, 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 in order for us to practice that, because that's not when you want to practice. You want to make mistakes when you're photographing your kids or when you're photographing like the neighbor's kids or when you're out, you know, whatever you're doing to practice photographing people, that's when you want to make mistakes, not when you're paying $500 to be at this perfectly styled shoot. Um, So do that. And then, and then even once you've gotten that, now you need to start second shooting. I, I am such an advocate for like the concept of interning. Um, I think it's so important and it's so underutilized in our industry. It's almost utilized in a way that like, Hey, I want a second shoot for you so I can build a portfolio. No, the whole point of second shooting is not to build a portfolio. If you can, great. If you can build a relationship with a photographer and do that, wonderful. But the point of it is to learn the ropes, to understand what it's like to, to put in your hours, to put in your hours. Who is it that writes about the 10,000 hour rule in order to, in order to get good at something, you've got to put in 10,000 hours. Um, you know, that's, we, that's what we gotta do as photographers. If you wanna photograph weddings, get out there and photograph weddings, but do it and learn and be humble about it and be hungry for it and be willing to make mistakes and be willing to carry someone else's bags. Cause you know that they did that 10 years ago. I did that 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Like, so you have to put in the time. And I think that's the best way to do it. Are you gonna be able to shoot luxury weddings next year if you go that path? Absolutely not, absolutely not. But you're going to learn. You're going to get in there, and you're going to practice. You're going to know what it's like. You're going to be able to talk with another photographer. You're going to you're going to see what you like. You're going to see what you don't like. You're going to have experience practicing with your camera. You're going to have experience engaging with a couple, engaging with family members, understanding the nuances of a wedding day, and you'll be able to go from there. It's a slower path, but it's a lo- it's a path that gives you success in the long term.
1: I know. Um... Uh, photographer Sam Hurd uses uh, just like posing. It's um, like sketch sketching dolls, you know, those yeah. wooden dolls that you use to practice totally. sketching with yep. to practice um, posing and technicals at home, which I think is yeah. a, it's a great tip, and I love to share with everybody whenever I got the chance. But, uh, you know, what you said there about being an overnight success is really an overnight success 10 years in the making mm-hmm. uh, really struck a chord with me because I know, it. you know, if there's one thing that – 2020 this past year had taught us it's that many people realized how important it is to have some sort of side income and i saw so many people say you know i have this camera i want to use it to capture beautiful photos and bring in some additional income but you can't start a business in a pandemic right there's that big but which is really unfortunate because as you know there are just so many things that you can do in a photography business That do not require you to shoot. Now, as I said earlier, you've been at the forefront of helping photographers make it through this pandemic better as a business than they were before. So can you share what are some of the things that photographers can be doing today to build a stronger business and prepare themselves so that, you know, when we get back to 100 percent, they can go at it?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of things. I think when when you think about um, the skill set that that you as a photographer have, um, you know, those skills are so transferable to other spaces. So, you know, early days of, of the pandemic. That was something because because our audience at Sprout is largely professional wedding and portrait photographers. And, and obviously weddings and portraits weren't happening because we couldn't be be doing these things. Yeah. So, you know, everyone around us was basically, sorry, you'll have to excuse my kids yelling in the background. That's like pandemic, <laughs> pandemic <laughs> lifestyle of a dad I here. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, early days, you know, we're trying to figure out how, how our customers, how our industry, our community can still make a living because that's what they depend on is making a living from photography. Um, So you think about the skill set that you have as a photographer and, you know, well, you understand, you know, composition, you understand uh, direction, you understand lighting, uh, you know, the tech side of photography, you know, what, what kind of compression or perspective different lenses give, um, how the settings interact with each other, like, you you know, we understand those things intuitively. um, But you also understand probably social media better than the average person you know if you were to put the average restaurant owner next to the average photographer i would argue that the average photographer probably knows a lot more about the visual aesthetic of instagram than that restaurant Mm, owner might um So there's things like that. Like we as photographers, you as a photographer, know a lot more about video than the average, you know, hotel owner or the average, um, you know, local business. There's just, there's so many things like even website building, like most photographers are whizzes at Squarespace. They can get in there and figure that stuff out. Like, like it's nobody's business to the average, you know, the average uh, garden shop or nursery. They don't know the first thing about building websites. Like that's not what they do. They don't live in that space. So uh, when I say all that, I basically just say, what are the different skill sets that you have as, photo- as a photographer that actually aren't photography? And, and really when you think about it, there's, there's a lot, like there's a lot that, that, you know, that like doesn't involve you having a camera in your hand and a client in front of the camera, e- even to that extent. I mean, if you can, if you're a wedding photographer or if you've photographed weddings, um, what else can you photograph? Think about that for a minute, because, you know, you're used to photographing, you know, shoes on a wedding day and the dress and jewelry and macro shots and finding nice lighting for the bouquet and, all those things. Well, what other businesses right now could use those kinds of services? Like, you know, could you, you offer your photography services to a restaurant and say, Hey, so you've had to pivot to order it, to having online ordering for all of your food and all of your menu items and your cell phone snaps aren't really selling your stuff that well. <laughs> so how would I help you? Like, is there a way that I can help you? Or how about the same thing for a nursery or for like anyone, right? So I kind of, we went through like, you know, dozens and dozens of examples, but um, that's just the idea. I don't know if that's the direction you wanted me to go, Raymond, but like, that's just the idea of like, how can you bring the skill set that you inherently have because of your role as a photographer? How can you have that you know sort of like blow out the sides of the box that we've defined for ourselves which you know puts us in this little thing of like i have camera in hand i have clients in front of camera that's how i make money how can we now think outside of that box and look for other ways that we can be making a living with the skill set that we have and almost in a way drop the label photographer
1: hmm There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. Cloudspot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com. And as a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. interesting so uh, this still gives us a way i can see not only to still continue photography with with being able to help somebody else but also kind of grow our place and our stance in the community that we have here 100%. local because you're going to have to reach out to business owners to get approved for something like this. The
0: okay. thing that was interesting about all that to Raymond, is like in, in that space where when when I was teaching a lot of that stuff early days, we made a whole course for it. We have a whole website dedicated just to it. It's called First Aid for Photographers. Um, we did all this stuff. And, and what I thought was so interesting is that there were so many photographers who were now building relationships with local folks that they – otherwise would never have had the chance to meet to build relationships with to network with and now that they've kind of you know like when you when you go to war with somebody you know when you when you're when you're in the front line at war with somebody like when you're in the trenches like the relationship and the bond that you have beyond that will last a lifetime Mm -hmm. and I don't mean to be so, so dramatic to say that like that's equivalent to what we went through with the pandemic but like when you're there and you're helping people and you're sharing in like the challenges and you and you're just doing everything you can to like to 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 help your fellow business out to help your fellow entrepreneurs out and to build these relationships and when you can be there as that guide for people they will never forget that
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and I don't say that to be like well help people so that you know they can pay you when the pandemic's done i don't mean that but i mean like genuinely that's that's like networking 101 like how do you build relationships with people right now is a perfect time For us to be doing those kinds of things, where we can add value into into other businesses and other people's lives, we can use our skill set for for the greater good. Um, And all the while, there's there's revenue opportunity, there's networking opportunity, there's new relationships opportunity. So you know, it it makes it's a win 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 for everybody. Really,
1: I see. While I love that idea, and part of me feels like that is maybe just a bit too advanced for those who might be listening to this right now is Mm. that seems like something that's going to be perhaps for somebody who's a little bit more established, maybe they have some sort of systems in place, maybe they have a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say Rolodex because nobody uses a Rolodex anymore, but like a bit of a uh, network of people locally that maybe they could reach out to. What about those who, putting ourselves in the shoes of somebody who maybe they lost their job or they were uh, laid off during the pandemic. And they thought, okay, the camera is the way that I have to make money right now. What are some of those initial things? Like, what are, what would you say are the two or the three most important pillars in a business that somebody could be working on now to build um, before even starting shooting?
0: Mm. Okay, I see. So um, I'll, ta- I'll tackle this from a couple angles. The, the first one is, let's say that you're kind of pretty fresh to photography right like you're pretty you're pretty new in it i would say again i would i would encourage um the idea that like you you've still got to go to school like you've still got to learn the things right you've still got to figure out the things Um, again it's the, the idea that like just because you picked up a camera and took some nice pictures of a flower doesn't mean that you should be booking couples to shoot their wedding right so it's, it's just one of those things where it's like you know it might now might be a perfect time to just like go to school and figure that like, i don't i mean like literally not literally go to school but like figure these things out become a student to become become someone that becomes hungry um and is and is seeking the education to to better the craft that they're looking to get into so you know go, go through the tutorials listen to the podcast watch the youtube videos practice in your home like do what you can to just refine that skill of photography now let's say that you've kind of gotten past that already or maybe once you do get past that um the next would be and this is like very much my own my own path is like learn the business side like dive in and 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 figure out understand pricing and marketing and selling and and the way that we as people buy and the psychology of it and just you know, the way that business works, like understand accounting and how that stuff is going to work. Cause you're going to need to know that stuff. I've talked to so many photographers that just built their business, not on a solid foundation and they kick themselves mm-hmm. every single time. So if you can avoid that now is a good time to, again, like go to school, like quote unquote, if you're listening, go to school, um, and learn those business things and practice them and, and, and ask questions and become, um, curious, about those kinds of topics. So so those would be two things is just like adapt this like hungry mindset, this curious, this in, intrigued mindset of learning and growing and listening um, both as a creative and as an entrepreneur. And then the other angle that I wanted just to take this on is I don't think that it's too early for anyone to explore these these ways of helping other folks. You know, even if you did, even if you've just kind of been dabbling with your camera and you know, you got this cool fancy camera and you can take some, you know, decent pictures of your kids or whatever it is, it's like there's no reason you couldn't reach out. Like the, the the teachings, Raymond, that I was giving photographers back early days of the pandemic, it had nothing to do with the fact that like they may already know this person. Like I I wasn't like, okay, go through your 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 past client list and do this for only past clients. It's like, no, I want you to like this what I taught them as I said, hop in your car virtually. Like, don't go in your car, but like in your mind, close your eyes, go and get in your car and start driving around your town. And as you're driving around your town, look left, look right don't look down cause I don't know what that would do, but like, don't, I don't <laughs> look up, but like look left and right. Okay. <laughs> look left and right. And like, how can you help whatever you see around you? And I give examples of like, drive through your downtown. What kinds of businesses are there? Oh, there's like a yoga studio. There's a, this, there's a, a small oil shop. There's a, this, how can you help those people reach out to them? You like 95% of the, of the ideas that we brainstormed early days had nothing to do with anyone that these people already knew. Mm-hmm. It, these were all new relationships. So even if you don't have that, like, you know, Rolodex that you were talking about, I still don't think it's a bad idea. If you if you can take a decent picture, why couldn't you reach out to the local restaurant and say, hey, I'd love to come photograph your chefs. I'd love to get you some photographs of your chefs because... That like disgusting cell phone picture that you have on your website that they were like standing up against this wall and they look like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. (laughs) That's not doing you any justice to like making your visual presence look really beautiful to potential customers right now. Why don't I come out there and I'll photograph them for you? Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to have, they don't have to have any idea who you are in order for you to offer something like that. What restaurant owner is going to be like, oh, you know what? I actually like those really crappy pictures that I have. Like they're going to be like, you want to come photograph them, now you get a new relationship, you get yeah. experience. And if as long as you're better than them, you've got nothing to lose. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so so that would be, I, I, I do think that it's a tactic that can still work, even if you are very, very early on in your growth trajectory as a photographer.
1: A few years ago, I read a book. Um, and of course, now for the life of me, I can't remember what it was, but it, it was an investing book. And the sentiment was... That the future is cheap if you pay for it now Mm. right and i think that that really um that point is being driven home here with like wow it would be great if you know you you did lose your job and you were able to transition flawlessly into a full-time career as a photographer but unfortunately that happening is not going to happen there's mm. just so many variables there's just you need to have built something you know and yeah. you talked about that foundation earlier about those photographers who were wishing that they built a better foundation um, would would you mind to uh, share any uh, real life examples as far as maybe what that what that piece of the foundation was that that they wish was better
0: yeah I mean it's all about in my opinion it's all about investing like I think about what I did early days to build the business that I had versus what I saw other photographers doing. And I think that the big difference is like I invested, and I don't mean money. I mean, you could invest money as well, but I invested time. Like mm-hmm. I- I was scrappy early days in my career as a photographer. I was scrappy and I hustled. I built relationships. I was out there meeting people. I was at every business after five. I, I was in I at the time. I did I for like seven years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a lot of time, like every Thursday morning for two hours. It's a huge time investment, but like the yeah. relationships that I built there and, and the depth that I went into and in the, in the, in the referrals that I got through that were so valuable. Now I didn't get them after my first year. That's, that's the mistake that so many, so many of us make is like, we expect, okay, good, I did that meeting. So where's my referrals from it? Or I did right. that, I met with this one florist or I met with this one vendor. I'm just gonna start raking in the referrals. It's like, no, it's not gonna happen that way. So I say investing because truly it's something that you have to just keep doing and doing and doing. It's almost like this idea, and I've talked about this on Clubhouse a ton, I've written about it too. Um, it's this theory called the paradox of the growing heap. So it's, it's in this book and I'll give full credit. Uh, Gretchen Rubin, Better Than Before, fantastic book. If, oh, yes. if anyone hasn't read it, I, I highly recommend it. But so this, this theory called the paradox of the growing heap, it goes like this. It says, if I were to give you a coin, one coin, $1 today, would you say that you're rich? The answer is no, one coin does not make you rich. If I were to give you another coin, would you say that you're rich? Well, the answer is no. If I were to give you another coin, would you say that you're rich? The answer is no. But if I were to give you coin after coin after coin, day in, day out, and keep giving you coins, at some point, if I ask you the question, you will say that you're rich. But it wasn't one coin that made the difference. It wasn't one coin that tipped the scales and all of a sudden made you rich. But instead, it was the sum of coin after coin after coin after coin that eventually did make you rich. And the interesting thing about that is that although one coin in and of itself is inconsequential doesn't make a difference it is the addition of one coin after one coin after one coin that does make the difference and so that's the idea where it's like you can't just get a gym membership work out once and expect to be in good shape you can't work out for a month trust me and i've tried to be yeah, in good shape work. i've tr- yeah. oh, believe me i've tried yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like i got the gym membership why am i not in, in shape what's well, like Well, you haven't gone to the gym yet oh right there's that thing um <laughs> but that's that's the idea here, right? It's like, it's it's about investing. I think that's the best foundation that you can build is just to like, you're gonna have to put in the time. It's not gonna come easy. It's not gonna come quick and it's not gonna come without effort, without sacrifice. And I don't say that to, to be like a downer about this. You know, I'm like not meaning to be like the grumpy photographer that's like, you gotta put in your dues. But instead it's like, no, like entrepreneurship is hard work. Like it mm-hmm. is hard work. Um, it's so worth it. I can tell you that it is so worth it. It is so- beautiful to be able to design the life and the career um, and the path that you follow and I, again I can tell you firsthand that like the, the the life that you can live and the career and the path you can follow being a photographer if that's the path that you want to follow is so rewarding like it's just so wonderful and I, I tell this all the time but like my wife has been a stay-at-home mom with our three kids for eight years because the money I made with my camera yeah. my wife and I paid off our home our mortgage. Because of the money I made with my camera. My wife and I own our vehicles. We can vacation when we want. We can buy the things that we want. I can get the latest computer or iPhone, whatever the heck I want to buy because of the money I made with my camera. All those things because of the money I made with my camera. So like the rewards of being an entrepreneur are beautiful, but it takes work to get there. And the early days are always the hardest days. So that's just like, if you can go in okay with that, like you're better off than 95% of the photographers out there because so many of us want those quick wins and we don't want to put in the work. You know, I say, I say if everyone wants success, no one wants to put in the work that success Mm -hmm. requires.
1: Sure. Oh, that is uh, such a, such a strong sentiment there. I have, I feel like I have so many things that I want to, that I want to bring up and, and, and talk about when it comes to that, because I mean, you're right in the sense that like, That's all that photography really is, you know? I mean, you can go out and you can go to a park and you can take a nice photo, but you're not going to do that, like, day one, right? And if you do, like, it's on auto mode, and then did you really create that photo or did the camera create that photo, you know? So if you get to the point to where you can take a great photo, that took a long time. You had to invest in yourself to learn how to do that. And then why should it be any different with the business side of things? If you go out and you book, like, one awesome bride like that's cool that's awesome but i want to see where you're going to be a year from now yeah and how are you going to do that except for as you were saying you know continue to invest in yourself and build those relationships that is that was a master class right there is what that was like if, any, <laughs> if if somebody's listening to that and if they took away one thing from this episode i hope i hope that it's that and the importance of of everything that you just said there so so thank you so much for for, yeah, for sharing course. your experience in that of course um I wanted to ask because oftentimes, um, oftentimes photographers, you know, they listen to us as, as we're just talking. Sometimes we talk about gear and we talk about all these nice new things and oftentimes new photographers just don't have the gear or the resources that most professional photographers do. So uh, can you tell me maybe early on uh, in your career, maybe a time where you really just had to make do with what you had to, to, to get a job done, even though it wasn't maybe the best uh, possible way to do it, you still, you still made it work.
0: A hundred percent. So I, I will um, say perfectly confidently that whatever gear you have right now to, to, to the listener, whatever gear you have is all that you need right now. And, and I say that, with such um belief because it's so easy to be chasing the gear and 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 look I I I get it I feel it too and and quite honestly I love buying gear I really do but and and I say this with a huge but huge caveat I'm able to because i can afford it <laughs> because mm-hmm. photography it has is and has been my career and my and my livelihood so and, and and i've achieved the financial success in my photography business to be able to say if i want to get that camera i'm gonna get it just because i want to play around now as a side note my passion and obsession is film now so the cameras are much more affordable to get now <laughs> as opposed to buying like the latest sony or Canon or nikon or whatever but uh I digress, Um, you know, whatever it is that you have like cameras today, even the most like simple, the most basic of cameras um, are so, so much more advanced than anything we had even top of the line five years ago. Mm -hmm. Like the most like the the, the $600 camera today is better than the $6,000 camera five years ago. Yeah. And if photographers were successful with like top of the line five years ago damn well sure you can be successful with bottom line today. So I guess I I say that to say like, don't chase the gear. Don't look for more gear, learn whatever you have. It doesn't matter what you have because the camera only does what you tell it to do. And so the camera itself is not going to make a difference in the photographs that you make. The most important part, and I, I forget who it was, it may have been Ansel that said this, but the most important part of the camera is the six inches behind it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Us, right? you, and so don't worry about whatever you have. if you have a kit lens, perfect. if you have a rebel, awesome. if you have whatever whatever you have is perfect. if you don't have a flash, no problem. like learn with what you have and it will probably bring you a few years of of growth as a creative once you start to feel the actual limitation of that gear when you're like, no, no, no i i literally couldn't get this without without just next lens or whatever it is that's when you start to consider but i'm i'm almost willing to bet that like most of us are not there even myself like i'm right now i shoot food quick side note i shoot fuji i've got the 56 f12 and i've got the 50 f2 weather seal and i have both for a reason because i use them for different things now the 50 f1 came out and it's like oh i'm thinking oh heck yeah 50 f1 and it's I'm, sealed. All, I'm all about the 50 f1 i'm yeah. all about the f1 i'm weather sealed beautiful okay bokeh all right the the, the, the bokeh balls are like 0. 0. 0.00001 millimeters bigger so it looks mm-hmm. a little bit more sexy if you do a direct side-by-side studio comparison which we never do by the way so i'm trying to justify whether i just sell both those lenses and get the one and yeah i mean like that's easy to justify wow you know i probably would save a little bit of money and i and then we go through these stories i don't need it i'm not gonna make a difference i don't need it will i do it because i want it maybe but i'll only do it because i can afford it not because Mm -hmm. you know i'm not going to go and get a loan for it i'm not going to go and like you know not pay myself this year because (laughs) because i need to make that that move and i I do see that i see so many photographers that are like they don't pay themselves because they just keep spending money on gear and it's like man if you're if you're if you look at your chart of accounts at the end of the year and if you've spent more on gear than you've paid yourself there's something wrong (laughs) right Um, I guess all that just to say like don't worry about the gear man like just do whatever you can shoot with whatever you have if you have an iPhone use that learn on that you'll you'll you can probably spend a few years mastering the art of photography on just your iPhone Mm -hmm. now I'm not saying you're gonna go shoot a wedding with it but it's like we're talking about that 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 growth right as an artist as a creative and then as an entrepreneur you can get pretty darn far with like the simplest gear so don't don't chase gear
1: i was i was in the same boat as you with the uh with the 56 1.2 and then i realized that just like the size of it i didn't want to use it like around the house and just photograph my kids because it was just kind of big and cumbersome and then i i I played this game with myself that was like i could get the two but is it going to be as good you know how much light am i going to be losing but at the end of the day i mean none of that stuff matters it's like it's like what is it just like two-thirds of a stop that you're that you're losing it's not much at all no. and then it's much smaller and the fact that now i can i just shoot more with that 50 millimeter f2 and even yeah. though on paper it's a technically inferior lens it's nowhere right. near as good as that 56 1.2 it enables me to shoot more which ultimately is is what That's we it. want as photographers yep. 100%. right
0: 100 so as long
1: as you got what you need to to shoot that's all that you want now. I want to get back to to this whole film thing that you're doing right now because, as you said, you know you've been shooting for 15 years. You've been doing this. Now that you picked up this film camera, I want to know, like, what is is there a goal to it? Is it strictly a creativity thing? And if it is, what are you trying to express? Does any of this make sense? Because yeah, once again, on paper, there's no reason why we should. Be sure, film no, 100,
0: percent 100. percent I mean, and that's – this is the funny part is like my my trajectory or the path has, has if you follow all of it so far, I mean, I got into it because I wanted to be a business person, not because I wanted to be a photographer, right? Like you follow all of it. It's yeah. literally like ass backwards from what like mm-hmm. you would typically mm-hmm. do. Um, so I, at the time when I first discovered film, which is about two years ago, um, I had never shot film before. Never. Like, even, I mean, maybe when I was a kid, I'd grab my parents point and shoot, but it was never yeah, like course. shooting film. Never right? with
1: intentional. Yeah.
0: I've never shot with film. So it's like, um yet for for thir- at the time for 13 years every single time i had shot every time i had picked up my camera outside of like just documenting my kids i'm being paid to do it like, i'm being paid to be a photographer and i'm always shooting for other people now i built my business to a point where i got to shoot what i wanted to shoot and how i wanted to shoot and people paid me handsomely for it so that's great and i'm and i'm very grateful and thankful for that but i never had this opportunity to like explore photography for me, never, mm-hmm. never. I've always been a full-time professional photographer. The camera is what puts food on the table. And so when I first got like this, this like little intrigue of film, I was like, oh, this is different. This is like, and, and then just like having, having a camera and like being intentional by choosing a film stock and then physically loading it into a camera And just this whole, like, mechanical process with, you know, winding the film and doing all these things. I develop all my film, too. I do darkroom printing myself, too. So doing all these things.
1: You dove right in.
0: Oh, I mean, dove right in. Um, (laughs) But, like, being involved in a very tactile way gives me a different way to see, learn, express through photography that I'd never have. I'd never had before. I'd never explored that before. Um, and then even going beyond that, like the story, like the, um, the permanence, the story of shooting on film, you know, this idea that like when when you press the shutter, this piece of emulsion changes forever. Like it it forever is impacted by the light that exists in this very, you know, split second of a moment. It's one 500th of a second this piece of film changes physically physically changes never to be undone and then and then you can make something real out of that all the way up to like printing in a dark room and you see this thing appear in front of you and you're like i made this like <laughs> free of technology like free of computers and bits and bytes and zeros and ones like i made this with light with a piece of light and this will never ever be undone like that is just a beautiful way of like seeing what we do. And, and and so I'm not doing it for clients right now. I mean, I've done it. I've actually had quite a number of clients that have like seen my own exploration of it on the personal side. And they're like, yeah, we, no, we want you to shoot film for us. Um, which is like, cool. Cause it's now seeing a side, a side spill into like my professional work. Um, but I'm just doing it for fun and because mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives so many other ways to explore. I mean, like I've, you can buy cameras for like a couple hundred dollars like really good film cameras for a couple hundred dollars yeah um and they're they're a freaking blast to play with so like it's great it fulfills a different side of me um that i otherwise just didn't have digitally
1: it's it's interesting hearing you say that because i hear new photographers speaking about their brand new entry-level like digital cameras in that same way like oh, it's yeah. this new creative passion because oftentimes you know when you get that camera you're not coming from a world of of creativity right which you have so yeah. uh i love i love hearing that passion come back into you and that excitement yeah, 100%. that is uh that is so much fun that's
0: it that though fun. right raymond is like it it reignited this fire that i have because i've been a full-time professional photographer for 15 years it reignited this fire that like it, admittedly after 15 years like not that i got tired of photography it's not that i felt uninspired because I love what I do and 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 I love to photograph for my clients but like for my own my own creative pursuit. It yeah. reignited that amateur mindset again in me. Yeah. And and I haven't had that in 15 years. So it, yeah. it was just it's been such a joy to to continue to explore that.
1: Very cool. Well, uh Brian, oh, side note when i was doing research for this episode i realized that you're the only brian who's ever been on the beginner photography podcast yes. so on top of the like this huge list of accolades that you have for yourself <laughs> now you can add that uh to it as well uh but before i let you go uh can you let those listening right now know where they can find you because as you said photographer you also host a podcast 450 episodes congratulations on that as well as uh running sprout studio so can you just let people know where they can learn more about you and, for sure. and everything that you do
0: yeah for sure thank you Raymond um a couple places I guess if you want to learn more about sprout um then you can go to get sprout studio.com or just google sprout studio you'll find us Um, if you want to dive more into the business education that we have, if you go to that same website, we have a community button at the top of the page. You can dive into podcasts. We have courses, we have pricing calculators. We have hundreds of articles on anything you can think of to do with the business of photography. So you can hop in there. Um, if you like podcasts, uh, which uh, you do, do. You're, yeah. you're listening to a <laughs> podcast right now, um, then, then you can just find us. It's called The Business of Photography. You can find us pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, that's, I guess, mostly if you want to connect on Clubhouse, if you're on Clubhouse, that's like the the coolest and latest obsession. So come find me
1: over there. Thank you for listening to today's interview from the Beginner Photography Podcast Vault. You know, personally, I would love to hear what you took away from this interview. What are you going to implement into your photography that you learned today? Feel free to share what it is and join the conversation in the Beginner Photography Podcast Facebook community. You can find the community by searching Facebook for Beginner Photography Podcast, or if you're driving, there is a link to the group on the homepage at beginnerphotographypodcast.com. Head over there, click the link, and join the Facebook community today. Until next week, remember, the more you shoot today, the better you will be tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Beginner Photography Podcast. If you enjoy the show, consider leaving a review in iTunes. Keep shooting, and we'll see you next week.